the Inspiring Sustainability Podcast. My name is Adam Woodhall and today I am delighted to welcome Charlotte Morton to join us. Hello, delighted to be here. And Charlotte today is somebody who has been a sustainable entrepreneur now for nearly 15 years and that is longer than I've been in sustainability but we actually uh, did bump into each other back in the day when we were both based in Leeds when she set up a, a mobility um, startup focused on sustainability and then she went into the world of anaerobic digestion um, and uh, she's got so passionate about how to uh, help other businesses um, she uh, then also set up an advisory business she now uh, promotes uh, clean tech game-changing technologies as well as being an investor in sustainable startups so I'm uh, really looking forward to this conversation to find out how uh, an entrepreneur who's been in this industry has, as she told me beforehand, got the battle scars and hopefully learned from them. And so hopefully she can um, tell us a bit more about some of those journeys that she's had. Um, so uh, if you want to find out more about uh, Inspiring Sustainability, you can go to our website, uh, inspiring-sustainability.com and also... Uh, please do subscribe to the podcast uh, for our regular series uh, that we have here. Um, without further ado, though, uh, Charles, uh, what I think the listeners will be very curious about to hear is what uh, tell us a bit about you and your backstory that got us, got you to being um, starting up that business in Leeds in the in the noughties. Gosh, that's a long time ago, but um, I started. Um really thinking about startup businesses, not startup businesses and sustainability, when I was uh, realising that being a lawyer was probably not uh, where I should spend the rest of my life. Um, I uh, was invited to do an, an MBA uh, when I was a lawyer by uh, my firm, and uh, I went to London Business School, which offered a whole range of new venture development courses and then I got excited by the whole prospect of startup businesses and, and realised that well this could be really exciting and far more exciting than being a lawyer where you're really just advising businesses rather than taking the decisions yourself because the people you're the companies you're advising take those decisions and I thought no I want to take those decisions. So then the question was well okay you want to start up a business well what ideas have you got? And it's actually rather hard to come up with good ideas for that are going to make money. Um, and it was in thinking through those ideas that we came up with our first idea or first business, which was Wisco, uh, paid by the hour cars. Uh, and in thinking through that idea, we realised actually what what I really care about is businesses that are sustainable, that will make a difference, that will help us ensure that uh, we protect this planet on which we depend. And tell me more about that. What, what is it that, uh, how do you connect with that planet side of things? I don't really know where it comes from. Uh, my mother used to take me around the garden every time I came home and she wasn't a very good gardener. The garden was rather a mess, but she, she would be able to take me around the garden and show me this lovely little plant in amongst the weeds that was beautifully flowering. So I think she taught me the beauty of nature and and of course we are utterly dependent on it 
Uh, and nature is utterly beautiful. You've only got to look at the Blue Planet series to, to realise that. Uh, unfortunately, we're in the process of trashing our planet, and it pains me greatly. So uh, anything I can do uh, that will help get us back on track, that's what drives me. Yeah, interesting. So, so you started off with Wizgo, which actually I remember driving a Wizgo car back right. in the day when I used to live in Leeds. And, uh, and uh, tell me a bit about the, the journey that you went through and uh, sort of challenges that you had and what, what, what led you to the success of uh, basically uh, selling it on as well. Well, I think it's, 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 some of those challenges are very relevant to many of the businesses in, in sustainability today or aiming to make a difference. So it was a new concept for a start, a um, new brand, no one had ever heard of that, um, but also a concept that required behaviour change. So those three things together made it quite a challenging business. Um, and of course, you're uh, trying to change people's behaviour away from something that offers them great freedom and ease. It's easy to own and drive your own car, so why would you give up your car and just borrow one down the road? And how are you going to sell that concept? How are you going to match that ease uh, and freedom that car ownership gives you? So those are many of the challenges we've got today. We're, all try we're going to have to persuade people to eat less meat. Well, for those p people who love their steaks, that's really hard. So it's thinking through things like that, that um, are the things that we all in sustainability have to work towards. And um, what were the sort of, can you give me one of your favourite tools that helped kind of start to get that changing with that, with that first business that you ran? In terms of tools, do you mean thinking about communicating messages? Uh, yeah, the, brands? the messages, the brands, what, or just a sort of, it might have been an obvious thing, or it might have been a kind of like something that might have more hit people subconsciously to get it so that people started using Wizgo rather than their own kind of personal cars. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, I think you to succeed, you've basically got to start with understanding the problem. Mm. Uh, why is it people are not going to give up their car and, and move to having a, a card that gives you access to a fleet of cars? Mm. Um, it's also recognising, well, are there moments in people's lives when they will make a decision? So they might move house, for example, and they move to a house which doesn't have a car park or their car goes to its service and unfortunately doesn't pass the MOT, so they've got to get rid of it and they don't have the money to buy a new car. Mm. So where are there points in people's lives where they might change their current decision that might trigger mm. action? Um, people who don't own a car, uh, young people who've never um, had the joy of owning their own car, uh, well, actually, they, they, they might see this as a, a, a huge benefit. And then if you've never got them used to car ownership, then they don't know what they're missing. So it, it's, it's really understanding people's behaviour uh, and, and trying to work out where there are points at which you can influence that behaviour, as well as trying to communicate something that um, uh, will get people thinking, well, actually, I can have access to a fleet of cars wherever and whenever I want them, mm. and that's equating to the sense of freedom mm. that car ownership gives you. So I think it's, there's a lot of thought, a huge amount of thought in that process. And at the time, I was greatly helped by a branding consultant who, who, who helped us think through 
what the brand meant, mm. um, how we could use the brand to communicate some of these ideas, and how we could use some marketing materials, again, that would help communicate those ideas, and a range of different messages to try to appeal to different people at different points in their lives. So just constantly trying to evaluate what's going on, rethinking it, rehoning it, trying to get it better, trying to find out what works, trying different things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's, uh, well, just even the name, WizGo, is, yeah. there's, the, you've got that within that. And actually, just as a little aside for me, it was WizGo which helped mean that I've not owned a car since uh, I started using WizGo. Really? And, That's um, great. And because actually I did have one of those pivot points. Because yeah. I had my own car, and I was thinking, do I need a car? And I knew that WizGo existed, and I had my bike that I was using to cycle around Leeds. But then I had a big pivot change, which was that I um, walked outside my house one autumn day uh, after there'd been a massive storm. There was a famous storm in the mid-noughties. And basically a very big branch had dropped on my car. And it, my car was written off. Yeah. Um, and so then I had a choice. Like, car was written off, I had money in the bank, do I buy a new car? Now, I'm setting up a new business at this point, so that money was quite valuable to me. Yeah. Or, do I give WizGo a go? Well, I gave, I gave that a go. Actually, as it turned out, even living up in Leeds, where the public transport system not as flourishing as where we're based yeah. at the moment, talking from London, it still was very doable, and I didn't actually need the WizGo car that much. Yeah. And, and so what I found is actually I was using car less and then occasionally needing WizGo when I couldn't either catch a lift or a cycle or yeah. use public transport. Yeah. And so it was, I had actually a perfect example of that I think it's very important is to not to expect that people are going to change when everything's yeah. tickety-boo. Yeah. It, there's a few odd outliers that will do that. Most of the time, it's only when there's something to shift it enough for them to change. That's, that's, yeah. that's very much my experience. Yeah. Um, so... What happened with Wisgo then? Um, that then, because it, things got sticky in the mid noughties um, in the in the UK and globally, in fact. So, what happened with you then? Well, we'd done quite well. So we had grown. I think we were operating in fifteen cities across the UK. So we were by by geography, we were the largest uh, paid by the hour car club business. Um, but of course, a scale business requires consistent, uh, ongoing investment. So we had just um, raised five million pounds of investment to carry on growing the business. Um, and then um, two things happened at the same time. One was Lehman Brothers went down, um, and um, uh, two, uh, we had an issue about uh, whether the business qualified for EIS relief, and our offer of £5 million came from a VCT. So, um, and they and these, are, these are kind of like, just for the listeners, these are kind of venture capital technical terms, which yeah. we, won't, we won't go into now, but they were very important, basically. Effectively, yeah. So the result was that the VCT had to withdraw its offer just before Christmas, which was after Lehman Brothers went down. And for anybody who can remember the time when Lehman Brothers went down, it completely changed the financial landscape. So even people, I remember talking to uh, one potential a company that was keen, had been looking at investing in Wisco. Um, they typically invested £5 million every month into a similar startup business. Um, they suddenly were worried about their own line of uh, banking from their bank, and banks were withdrawing money. It was a horrendous, I mean, a very interesting experience to have lived through, for those of us who can remember it. But um, in terms of a business needing to raise money to keep going, not funny. Uh, and the idea of venture capital just disappeared because all the VC money could simply go in to replace banks 
with no risk whatsoever, but a very nice return. So why wouldn't you do that? But obviously, from my perspective, as a, an entrepreneur needing real venture money to scale my business, that disappeared. So we kept going for a few more months, and um, my investors uh, were very, very supportive, um, but uh, or existing in shareholders, but they couldn't follow on. Mm. Another lesson for entrepreneurs that it's very useful for your investor to be able to follow on with the next round. They'd reach their cap, um, and um, then ultimately I managed to find some private investors who who took the business, uh, decided to put the business into administration to get rid of some of our liabilities mm -hmm. and took it out again. And then they decided that they wanted to move the business on uh, themselves. And they then ultimately, it was bought out by one of the, our competitors. Um, and they that business has now taken it and sold it several years later to one of the big car hire companies, which was always where we saw the business going because car hire companies buy enormous quantities of cars and that's your biggest cost mm. as a car club business. So ultimately, it ended up where it, we always intended it to be. Uh, it's just I didn't carry on with it to the last point when it might have made some money. But mm. never mind, it was a great experience. The business survived, and I was very happy about that. Good. So, but my, my understanding is, though, that, that uh, those hard knocks didn't knock you down. You got yourself up, dusted yourself down, and continued in a kind of more entrepreneurial uh, role. So what was the next uh, thing that then you uh, did? Um, well, I suppose the next thing was that sort of a year later, I, I happened to go on holiday with a friend and her husband had just set up the Anaerobic Digestion and Biogas Association, um, which I have to say, it took him quite a while to explain to me what on earth anaerobic digestion was. And I seem to have been spending my life ever since explaining it to everybody else. Um, but ultimately, uh, this was... He just said, well, could you help me out setting up this trade body? Uh, and um, then I got more and more involved, only intended to help out a couple of months. And of course, nearly nine years later, I'm still here. Uh, but that's because uh, anaerobic digestion is an extraordinary technology. Uh, it helps on so many areas of sustainability and re recycling wastes, organic wastes, generating renewable energy from them, generating uh, biofertilizers um, and contributing to nine of the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So I, I lucked out, basically, coming across um, an industry, a technology that completely delivers sort of such a big contribution to something I care so much about. Well, it's something that my, my comparatively very basic knowledge of anaerobic digestion is that in some ways it does mirror what nature does. Um, as like a human process, many of our human processes are very linear, um, whereas anaerobic digestion helps plug more into the circular economy, how we, we create that. Was that a, a fair... I think that's completely right. Effectively, anaerobic digestion is one of the first, is the, is the first commercially viable form of the circular economy. Mm. So, um, uh, and yes, I remember the, I don't know if you remember the film Trashed, uh, mm. but it had a little uh, uh, view of a strawberry plant, uh, watching a plant grow up, uh, the strawberry flower, then turning into a fruit, that fruit staying on there, then... Uh, rotting because someone didn't pick it remarkably and then the fruit dropping off mm. and returning back to soil. So in a way we're, we're, the anaerobic technology is effectively doing that it's taking organic wastes all we're doing is extracting the energy from it and then the, the, everything else is left in, and is returned to soil in the form of biofertilizer. 
there's a lot more whizzy things you can yeah, do with yeah. it, but that's just fundamentally what's going on. And would that include the caddy that's sitting on my in my kitchen at home with my orange peels and etc., which I chuck in after cooking or whatever? Is it that that would be going into an anaerobic digestion? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So and it's extraordinary. You may think that's a very small quantity of uh, food waste or organic material, but in combination, if all of us, mm. there's 10 million tons of food waste in the UK being wasted. So uh, at the moment, we are only getting two and a half million tons of that. Mm. Uh, the rest is going to waste in landfills and incinerators, um, causing emissions. Yeah. Um, so we, it's really valuable stuff. And of course, commercial fertilizers are incredibly energy intensive. Yeah. Um, and so if we can replace even a proportion of that, that's, it's making a big contribution. In total, this industry can contribute about four or five percent of the UK's total greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. Uh, and globally, with, with more R&D and more development, of course, because we're still very early stages, we could reduce the, the world's uh, total emissions by nearly 20%. So it's a huge contributor. So I'm sure that we could uh, spend the rest of the podcast uh, talking about that. We could. But, uh, <laughs> and where actually you've, you've got quite a few other strings to your bow, so I want to give... Because actually, my understanding is, is that association for anaerobic digestion um, that you set up, uh, help run and makes uh, successful, um, you've then taken some of that and uh, you're kind of wanting to spread the love comparatively uh, about how, how you've managed to make that operate. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a bit about that. Um, yeah, it is very interesting actually, because uh, in thinking through how... Uh, a trade association works. It is a business like any other business. Uh, there's a business model behind it. Uh, but uh, many trade associations, particularly in the renewable space, are quite small, but they, therefore they've got a comparatively large amount of overhead. Um, and uh, therefore um, it's not sort of an ideal business model and you're kind of stuck with just growing one sector. So we realise that actually if we, if we were to take the same team, we could provide services to other associations and support other sectors and of course you're intervening in an, a, a, an industry level so if you could, if you come across a, a wonderful industry like the AD industry that can make such a big contribution you can facilitate that growth of the whole industry you can have a huge contribution rather than just being one business in it so effectively now we've uh, as you know we've set up the world biogas association because people didn't know what AD or biogas was at a global level so now we've that's now starting to make a huge difference. It wrote its first report on food waste a few months ago, uh, already making a big difference. Um, we have set up, uh, or we've, rather we've taken over the uh, Clean Tech Innovate uh, event, which is, is facilitating investment capital into clean tech businesses. So again, the more businesses we can get funded and growing, uh, the better. And, and we're now looking at what other sectors uh, can we help facilitate the growth of. Textile recycling is a huge uh, contributor um, to, to emissions or rather reducing emissions yeah. and there are various other sectors so it's now which other sector can we can we help facilitate or speed up the rate of growth mm, interesting so in the uh, clean technology what what sort of types of businesses um, would be at the clean technology innovate event well we're, tr- we're very keen to focus on uh, showcasing the Businesses, clean tech businesses that will have a game-changing impact. So one example of a business that was the first business, in fact, to present at the first one we put on was Airponics, which I am now on the board of, uh, as we've discussed. So Airponics is 
a fabulous technology that can revolutionise the growing of food with minimal water input, minimal uh, um, uh, soil requirements, in fact none. Um, and so that's this technology, if it grows, is, is going to allow food to be grown in areas that are massively impacted by climate change, helping people to stay living where they live today without, so helping to reduce migration, which we're already seeing, mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, ensuring that people have the food that they need uh, and, and preventing starvation as the population grows. So very excited by that technology. Um, one or two others from the clean technology, because I was at this year's event and I found it uh, really inspiring to see um, so many technologies being highlighted there that could, as you say, got the p real potential to be game-changing. So you've got one or two other sort of favourite ones that you could, uh, that come to mind. Oh, there's all sorts. Um, so uh, from, from memory, there's um, uh, Aqua 21, which is a fabulous way of um, uh, distilling water from the atmosphere. Um, again, obviously, I think anyone has seen the David Attenborough series has seen how beetles on the top of a desert area can capture moisture mm. from the dew in the early morning and they, they from, the, from, from the air and use that to survive. Um, there's a, another um, technology that um, actually with the same inventor as Airponics um, that uh, is able to generate energy from renewable uh, from um, kites, uh, so mm. uh, kite power solutions. So all sorts of things that just do things in a completely different way. Um, so it's these ideas that, that can make the difference we need and it's, that's where we need to see as most money going into those ideas. Right, yeah, definitely. And it, because it's, it's, we need to create, for me, the kind of like a momentum behind the game-changing technologies. Yeah. Because some of the things that we... Like aeroponics is a great example, I think, is that... It's just natural to think that, of course, we're going to grow, we have to use soil to grow things. Mm. Um, and it takes somebody a bit wacky mm. to be able to think, no, we don't need soil to grow things, we can do it. And it, that is potentially going to make a massive difference to being able to keep the amount, the population that we've got on the planet yeah. um, fed um, effectively without the sort of environmental degradation which is happening due to mm. the, the population that we've got. And the, the way that we've got um, uh, agriculture happening at the moment. Mm. So I think that's a brilliant example. So what? Um, <clears throat> so you've now become, an, uh, as well as being an entrepreneur mm. and an advisor to other businesses, you've become an, uh, an investor yourself. Yeah. So um, uh, I was. Um, I don't. I don't invest in many businesses because mm. I, I, I think it's very hard to come across good ones that. Mm are led by people who are actually going to deliver it and where the idea is 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 uh, a, a good idea. It's hard coming up with good ideas. Uh, but I got um, invited to, um, uh, or rather talking to somebody who came up with an idea of a fine wine members club. Uh, and I know nothing about wine, I can assure you. I do like drinking it, however. Um, and um, so um, simply because I had made so many mistakes with growing my own businesses um, and he hadn't yet started his business, albeit he had this idea, he found talking to me just quite useful because I could point out certain things that he might, was just about to do that might not end up with the best results. And so I've been on the board of um, and, and working with the founder of uh, 67 Palmao for, I don't know, six or seven years now, 
Um, and it's been really interesting watching that business grow from another perspective, both from an investor perspective and a, and, and a board member. Um, but what got me very interested about that was that and why I put my money in it um, is because they were so passionate about their idea. And um, you could see, well, you guys are so passionate about this and you really want to make it happen and it doesn't exist. So clearly you have spotted something uh, that you want uh, and it doesn't exist and you're going to make it happen. And mm. I agree with you, I think it does need to exist and I can see that you people are going to make it happen. So that's really why I put my money there. And But what's so interesting is now there's a link between all the things I'm involved in because... There are many issues in the wine industry about growing grapes in the current uh, climate the, or deteriorating climate uh, and I can see that there's a possibility that um, you can grow grapes airponically. Mm. So I certainly love the interaction there uh, and of course uh, you can anaerobic digestion and airponics also grows, goes very well in a complementary way because growing food airponically you still will have a degree of biomass uh, that needs to be recycled and there is a small amount of energy demand required uh, and so if you can use your waste biomass to generate the small amount of energy you need and nutrients mm. uh, to, for your airponic system then so much the better, yet another circular uh, economy. So you're looking at circular economy but you've kind of like got a circular career as well, because it's all kind of all looping around and connecting yeah, with each other. Yeah, Yes, I love that. It's, it's fascinating just to see how all these things link together. Um, so what do you think then, when taking uh, a step back, and what is it that you think are the success factors? What, what, what would de-risk a, a startup for, for you in terms of what, what would you, you, so you said about passion. Um, is there anything else that you'd look for in a business uh, that would uh, make you think uh, if it's there, great, or if it's not there, um, ooh, we've got a problem? Or actually, the other way around, there's some things that um, there might be something in a business that you'd be worried about. So is, there, is, is there any other things that you'd highlight in addition to passion? Um, well, I think you've really got to, you, 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 Yes, passion is absolutely essential. An idea that you believe uh, does have legs as a business. Yeah. Um, but then it's all about the person who's leading it being able to think through how to get the business from where it is today to where you want it to be. So the next most important thing is starting to think about that longer term vision. Where do you want to be in, say... 10 years time mm. uh, and then thinking through what your strategy is to get it from here to that vision yeah. and being absolutely focused on delivering that vision yeah. constantly questioning yourself am I doing the right thing, mm. is it going in the right way never, never constantly being flexible to think about all the things that are going on around you and questioning the extent to which any of those will justify you changing what you're doing today it's a constant refreshing, rethinking, evaluating what's going on and, and, and with a focus on that longer term vision as well. And then the next thing is that one of the things I want to think about with Cleantech Innovate is how we can support those businesses in some other way because what you also want on your boards as a startup is some grey hair. Um, you want that experience of people who've done it, mm. uh, who've made the mistakes, 
um, you've also got some uh, knowledge that perhaps you don't in the business. So is that is that the founder will clearly have a lot of knowledge, but the business might need more knowledge in different areas than your business than you have. So it's being sort of a bit realistic about what your business needs in terms of expertise and experience, what knowledge you've got, identifying the gaps and trying to find people who can complement you and fill those gaps. So it's very much having a board that can help facilitate and support the founder to grow that business and then putting also an executive team around that person who've again got the capabilities to support the growth of the business to where it's going. Mm, fascinating. So, I mean, what I'm hearing there is that basically, in starting off with a passion, but then you need a strategy for how you're going to achieve that passion. Crucially, self-awareness, so that you're checking yourself. But And then, uh, in many senses, the most important thing, the ability to listen to people who've had the experience and take on board their comments and then work within a team um, to, to, to propel that along is... Yeah, absolutely. But one other thing I'd absolutely say is that at the end of the day, as a founder, this is your business mm. and you are the only person that knows everything or is it you are the heart of it. Right, so yeah. yes, you do absolutely need to listen to everybody. But at the end of the day, you do need to make your own decisions. And if you really do think you're right, then it is okay to ignore the advice you've been given. Interesting. So it's really important to listen to it. So, but at the end of the day, it is down to you. So have the courage. So you've still got to be confident in your own belief and your passion yeah stick with your passion amazing so that's that's we've got so much in um into a half an hour or, or less um so thank you so much for that um we will include links to those businesses in the show notes uh, for for you listeners um what's just if people don't have time to look at the show notes what's one uh, link one website that uh, the listeners could go to uh, which would fi- be able to find out about yourself and uh, the businesses? Well, I suppose the businesses at the core of supporting everything is We Are Orchard mm-hmm. uh, Limited. So, weareorchard.com, that will link to ADBA, to WBA, to Cleantech Innovate, uh, probably also to Green Gas Trading, which is uh, one of the businesses that allowed me to meet Grant Ashton, who runs 67 Pall Mall. Okay. Um, and then we can add links to Aponics uh, and 67. Great, okay. And then yourself, are you on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn? Uh, yes, I'm afraid I tweet uh, occasionally and you can't. Uh, LinkedIn is a fabulous means of communicating and meeting people uh, who you wouldn't otherwise uh, meet and, and sharing information. So there's some great information on, 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 on LinkedIn and, and via Twitter. Great, okay. So Charlotte Morton on both of them, is it? Um, Charlotte Morton on LinkedIn, I think it's... Uh, at charlotte underscore adba on twitter right something like that we'll put it in the show notes Um, so brilliant well uh, for you listeners thank you for being with us and um, this is Adam Woodhall you can find out uh, more about me uh, by following uh, the uh, show on inspiringsustainability.com uh, it's right, dash sustainability.com. also uh, through uh, any your favourite podcast app and myself on Twitter and LinkedIn, Adam Woodhall, all word. Um, So finishing off, thank you, Charles, so much for your time and uh, your wisdom and your experience sharing that with everybody. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, So thank you. It's been a pleasure, Adam. Thank you. Thanks very much.